Welcome to the Give Back Economy, a podcast about social innovation and social enterprise. Now with your host, Peter Miller. And welcome, and today we have an architect, the president of DK Studio, and he's also the founder of One Piece a Day, which we'll get into in a couple minutes. So welcome, Dimitri, and I'm glad you're able to join us this morning. Well, thank you so much for having me on your podcast, Peter. It's a, it's a real honor and pleasure to be here. Okay, so let's start with your academic background after high school. Okay, well, after high school, uh, I went to the University of Waterloo, and I got my first degree in environmental studies and my second degree in architecture. So as you mentioned, uh, I am a practicing architect in Toronto and am the founder of, or co-founder, along with my wife and uh, business partner, Karen Mack, uh, the founder of DK Studio Architects. And we're, we're headquartered here in Toronto. We have an office in Vancouver and a small rep office in Hong Kong as well. And uh, Peter, as you mentioned, I'm also the uh, CEO and founder of One Piece a Day, which is a non-for-profit environmental uh, initiative whose mission is really uh, to clean the planet uh, through raising awareness and through our app of the same name. Now, it's an interesting question, academic uh, education, academics and education, because I also think some of my most important learning actually happened, not necessarily in school or post uh, secondary education, but uh, through life experience. And I just wanted to share one of my pivotal life experiences. And that was, um, uh, I think it was my second or third year at Waterloo, I was invited to join a, a mission uh, to travel to Brazil and live for about, uh, I think it was about six to eight weeks uh, among some of the most impoverished communities in Southern Brazil. And it had moved me to the core of this experience. It moved me so deeply that from that point on, my whole life was defined by before this experience and after. And I, I, I had realized how important um, how little I knew about the realities of the world until that point, how, you know, how good we, uh, you know, great a life we have in Canada, but also uh, how important uh, it was uh, to dedicate uh, a life to service and contribution. And, and really that was, that was one of the most pivotal moments of, of my entire life. So let's spend a couple minutes on architecture. You actually, did you work for somebody else or did you go right out and start your own? So yes, I did, I did. Uh, I worked for several firms uh, in Toronto and Karen and I, we actually, um, we worked for a quite, quite a good uh, uh, um, celebrated firm here in Toronto and we both uh, took a year leave of absence to travel um, travel the world and we, we spent quite a bit of time traveling uh, we backpacked through India and through the Himalayas and Nepal, and we ended up in Singapore and worked there for about 14 months. And uh, we ran, basically, we just ran out of money after about four months. And we ended up moving to Hong Kong after about 14 months in Singapore and, uh, and worked there for various uh, companies. And when we moved back uh, to Canada in 2007, uh, I ended up, I, I was working for an interior design firm here in the city um, and the 2008 recession happened and Karen and I decided in a fit of uh, madness, so, well, that was a good time to start our, our own practice. 
um, which which might sound a little bit crazy, and, and it was a little bit terrifying as well to start a practice in the the, the worst recession since the 30s, the Great Depression. Uh, however, uh, you know, some of our trusted friends and advisors, you know, uh, told us that if you guys can make it through this, if you guys can set up your business and and, and build a foundation, build a platform through 2008, 2009, then uh, then you, you guys will make it. You'll be okay. And uh, uh, touch wood. Uh, we've uh, it's been uh, it's been tough at times. It was a tough start, but uh, we're, the, the 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 practice is thriving, and we're very um, we're very grateful uh, to have uh, to have our, our architectural practice. Now I notice you're the president at home. Who's the president? Oh, oh, clearly it's Karen for sure. <laughs> That's right. But we're we're co-founders. We're uh, you know we're equal principals, and uh, Karen's also the CEO. So uh, uh, of DK Studio. So we're we're um, it, it's a very very much an equitable uh, partnership. So tell me a little bit about the type of work that you do. You talked about various communities, not just Toronto. Uh, right. So this is in our architectural practice. Well, we, uh, so, right. So uh, Karen comes from a, a retail background in, in design. Uh, so we do a lot of uh, higher end retail projects across the country, occasionally in the States. And uh, I basically take care of most of the other projects. So that would be uh, office design, uh, residential, and, and sometimes we do larger developments as well, but not, not too much. We're more of a boutique firm that uh, focuses on uh, smaller, but really kind of higher uh, design uh, aspired projects. Okay. Somehow along the line, one piece a day, what's the backstory? So it's actually, thanks for asking, uh, Peter. It's actually, um, it's a, I, I think it's an interesting story. So maybe six years ago, so Karen and I, we took the kids to Mexico for March break. It, it must have been around this time, well before COVID. And, um, you know, I'm a long distance runner. So I, I've been running since I was a grade four student uh, at Annette Street Public School in, in kind of the west end of, of, of Toronto. And uh, never the fastest, but I, I always like running, uh, you know, long distance. So I've, I've been running long distance pretty much my entire life almost. And uh, so everywhere, everywhere I go, I always bring my running shoes. Uh, you know, it's the, it's the easiest and the cheapest sport, right? You get a pair of running shoes, you're off, you're, you're running. So I went for a run early morning on this beach in, uh, the, it was the Maya Riviera on the east coast of Mexico and gorgeous beach, beautiful sunny morning, sun's coming up. Uh, you, you know, the water is just gorgeous, uh, blue turquoise and Unfortunately, as I started running, I started noticing all this litter uh, on the sand below my feet. And the further I ran, the, 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 the more litter I encountered. And uh, I, one of the things I didn't mention is on, on my runs, usually I'll, I'll pick up, I'll always pick up a few handfuls of litter. I just don't like seeing litter, you know, in parks and uh, in trails on, on our city sidewalks. So I, you know, I started doing what I always did and started picking up the litter. Um, you know, the, the good thing is when you run on that coast, there's hotels every kilometer or two or sometimes even closer. So I'd run, grab a few handfuls and drop them off uh, in the recycling bin or the litter bin. And the further I ran away, there was a cluster of hotels. And then the further I ran away from that cluster, uh, it was a long stretch, maybe, I don't know, maybe a five, eight kilometer stretch or something. And I, 
found these, <clears throat> this big contractor garbage bag. And, and um, within that half hour stretch, I'd probably, uh, gosh, I don't know. I probably filled up maybe four or five uh, bags. It was, it was probably about four or 500 pieces of litter. And there was another hotel at the end of that. And I, I kind of dropped that off. The custodians were thinking, who is this kind of crazy tourist? running with these big garbage bags on our beach. What's wrong with them? And, uh, you know, they, they were grateful. I, I, I had them also take photos of myself because I thought no one's going to believe me. Here I went for a run and I've got all this garbage I just picked up. And I just remember I ran a bit further and I, I just remember stopping past this last hotel and just looking up what felt like the whole north coast of Mexico. And, and uh it, 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 the litter just continued. It was maybe three, four meters wide and it just kind of continued as far as the eye can see. And I, I just remember, I, I knew I had to turn around. I had been running for an hour or so and I knew I had to turn around and get back and get the day started with my family. Um, but I, I couldn't move. It was almost like if someone had punched me in the head because I, I had realized that, uh, you know, all of these thoughts were flooding my mind and, 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 you know, like starting from, you know, I hadn't even made a dent. I'd been running for an hour. I probably picked up five or 600 pieces of litter, four or five of these big contractor bags, handfuls and buckets of, of plastic and, and garbage. Uh, hadn't even made a dent because for every piece I, I, I left, be, I, I, I picked up, I felt like I was leaving thousands behind and, and uh, I realized also that I didn't really understand what I had run into, I really felt um, that it was it was it was something I'd never experienced before, and I really didn't understand anything about it. I suspected most of this litter was not generate, generated in Mexico, and years later, that assumption was actually was actually correct. It was justified. So all the way back to the hotel, I, uh, my mind kept spinning, and I, I realized a few things. One is this was much much bigger problem than me or any other single individual or even group. So I, I kept running, I was taking all these photos with my phone and then it hit me. I thought, look, what if every single person on the planet could, take, could uh, pick up one piece of litter a day? And what if there was an app that could encourage people to do that and track that progress so we can build a global community that would be able to spread this message and we could crowdsource cleaning the planet. And that's where the idea for One Piece a Day was born. Okay, so... What, are there services? Are there programs? Are there events? Absolutely. So all of the above. So, so we, we launched the, well, it took a few years because I tried to do it on my own and I'm not a very, uh, I'm not a, a techie or a tech savvy person. So, uh, so in the end, we ended up hiring, um, hiring a team to help us uh, implement our designs. Uh, so what, what, we've, what we did was uh, in 2017, we launched the one piece a day app. So uh, it's free. It's both on the Google and um, Apple uh, platforms on the app store and on Google play. So you can just download it, sign up in, uh, as an individual or as a group, and you can go out and start picking up litter and you'll be joining a community of thousands of people around the world who are using the app to record their contribution and also see the impact that they're making on the glo global level. So that's the first aspect of one piece a day is the app. Now, since we, we launched the app, uh, schools and colleges and universities were, were curious about what we were doing. So we started getting invited to speak at schools. Initially, it was, uh, it was schools in the Toronto School Board. We did uh, several talks uh, and we were invited to speak 
at the uh, uh, TDSB, the Toronto School Board uh, Eco School Conference about, this was maybe about three or four years ago. And after we spoke, uh, they immediately said, look, you guys are, uh, the work you're doing is, is just too important. We'd love for you to partner with us. Uh, so we went through the process. We signed up uh, as, a, as an official partner. So we're an official partner of the TDSB. And since that time, maybe three years ago, we've, we've spoken at dozens of schools across the GTA uh, and reached thousands of children and young students with the message that, you know, uh, that we're, we're in a, where we are in the planet right now, there is unprecedented levels of litter and plastic pollution on the planet. But don't get overwhelmed. You know, you can do things as simple as picking up one piece of litter a day. And if we have enough people, uh, then, you know, we can really, really make an impact. So, so uh, you know, our work, uh, our work continued from the app into education. And, you know, we're also, we've been a partner of uh, Humber College. So we've, we've been at uh, all of their eco events for the last three or four years. And, you know, people started asking us, well, you know, there's all this litter and single-use plastic. So what, what can we do? Like, what, what, what do you suggest? So we started bringing all these products. Like, you can buy a soap in a bar that doesn't come in plastic packaging. You can buy a, a bamboo toothbrush or deodorant that comes in cardboard, not plastic. So we started bringing all these products to our talks at, uh, at Seneca, uh, at, uh, at Humber, at University of Toronto, um, at all these eco fairs and people sort of saying, well, how much is it? Like, where, where, how, you know, how do we buy this? Where do we sign up? We said, well, we're not actually selling these products. We're just here to show you that there's alternatives to single use plastics in terms of our daily, uh, the products that we use daily. And uh, eventually my partner, Karen and uh, Tamara is also the managing director at One Piece a Day. So we said, look, you know, the, the, like, we just have to set up a shop because we're, we're the, the demand for the products that we were talking about as alternatives uh, to, to be able to allow consumers and people to go waste free were available, but just they were not accessible to people on a day-to-day -day basis. Like you can't go to Shoppers Drug Mart and then, and then buy all of the things that you need that's not, uh, that are not packaged in plastic. So we created our uh, eco marketplace last year uh, and we've got, uh, we've got a, a nice little selection that's growing of products, you know, in, including uh, you know soaps and and, uh, and shampoo bars and, and so on that are uh, that are uh, that are uh, plastic free. Okay, going back to the one piece a day, talk about measurement. How how do you go about measuring results? Right. right. So that's that's so that goes back to the app, really. So the app is really a counter it's a very fancy counter so the way it works is you would take a picture of uh, the litter you come across uh, we started out with with what uh, one piece so you would take a photo of one piece of litter now you can take an infinite number of pieces uh, we've worked with organizations like greenpeace where you you separate out like you know all the plastic bottles and all the bags and all the aluminum cans on different tarps and we would go ahead and count them all and so now you can actually, based on those experiences, you can actually take a photo of a thousand plastic bottles we found on a cleanup and just enter that in one shot. But essentially the, the app is a counter and it tracks all of the litter that you've picked up. Uh, since our work with uh, guys like Greenpeace and uh, Great Canadian Shoreline Cleanup, uh, we've, we've actually adapted a, a litter categories page. So you can actually, if, you, if you're so inclined, you have a little bit more time, you can actually categorize every single piece of litter by category. And we've, uh, we've more or less used the Great Canadian Shoreline Cleanup uh, category list 
in our app so that uh, we, you know all these organizations can actually benefit from from the from the work that we've done okay so far you've talked about toronto have you expanded this to other communities either in the form of a social franchise or licensing or something like that well so that's a, that's a great question so we are an international platform. It's a free platform that's available globally. So through our uh, social media, Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, uh, we've actually reached thousands of people around the world. So it is a global app. We do have users uh, all across North America, Central America, uh, well, both the Americas, Europe. Uh, we have users across Africa, definitely across uh, the Indian subcontinent and uh, Asia. Australia, New Zealand. So yes, we do have a global presence. Uh, in terms of um, in terms of expanding that presence, I mean, we we are based in Toronto, so uh, our, our impact on education has been mo more focused on Toronto and Southern Ontario. However, we are uh, entering uh, partnership agreements and uh, relationships with a couple of uh, large organizations that run nationwide cleanup events. So. Um, so stay tuned for that because uh, hopefully if uh, COVID blows over this year, uh, we will be the official lap for one or two national cleanups across Canada this year, uh, and uh, which, we're, which we're very excited about. So do you have ambassadors in different uh, countries? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. So, so really, our, our, I would say our ambassadors are people who have really taken on the app uh, as a personal project and are using it daily or weekly. We have groups and individuals, we have groups uh, who have picked up, uh, you know, over a quarter of a million pieces of litter logged on the app. We have individuals that have picked up 10, 20, 50,000 pieces since we launched the app uh, three years ago. So I would say these are our greatest ambassadors. Uh, we do have a team uh, of ambassadors and volunteers here in Toronto. And uh, it's, of course, it's open for anyone, anyone who is passionate about cleaning the planet and uh, helping us to, to go waste-free and, and, and improve our behaviors around single-use plastic uh, can join us and become an ambassador for one piece a day. Okay, three years from today, what's the organization going to look like? Well, that, that's a great question. So our first, our, our main goal is to, to get 1 million users on the app. Now that, that's a tall order. Right now we're several thousand and we're really gonna have to ramp that up uh, to get to 1 million users. So our organization will need to grow to support that kind of growth and, um, and make sure that, uh, that we have the resources and the app is always growing and developing to be able to support a community of 1 million users on the app. Uh, and, you know, with, with events like we've been talking, as I mentioned earlier, with a few national organizations like Clean Canada Together. So if that, uh, if our app does get implemented in one of their cleanups, uh, that, that the exposure there is potentially a quarter million people or more, um, uh, you know, cleaning up the country and, uh, you know, hopefully using the app as a way of measuring their contribution to, you know, both personally and also to, to the na national cleanup. So, um, you know, that, that's one of our targets. Uh, we, we also have a, a strong following in, in places like India. And, um, you know, after 
an event like Clean Canada Together, which hopefully will happen this year. Uh, you know, we, we are, we have India on the radar where we can be basically targeting, you know, hundreds of millions of people to use the app for their, they have a cleanup event, I think October 4th or 5th, it's a national cleanup event. So we're already started talking to people there about the implementation of the app on a national level in a country like India, which would be, obviously it comes with its own challenges because they, uh, you know, there's limitations in terms of infrastructure and recycling uh, in, in large parts of the country. Uh, but we'll, I suppose, we'll, 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 we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But uh, these, are, these are some of the things that are on the radar. Uh, we're also looking at introducing, uh, merging the shop and the app. So introducing things like litter coins. So for our contributors who are really making a significant uh, difference, you can actually, um, you'd actually be collecting litter coin that you can trade in for products. So uh, these, are some of the pro these are some of the projects and uh, ideas that we're working on right now as we speak. Okay, you've talked an awful lot about partnerships and the importance of them. In terms of building a team for this, uh, you have a, a little business to run at the same time. <laughs> yes. Who, yes. Who is going to grow and build one day at a time or one piece at a day? One piece a day. day, one piece a day. So right now, it's, uh, there's, we have a strong management team that's led by, by, by Karen, Tamara, and myself. And um, we, we've been fortunate. In, in your spare time. In our spare time, that's right. Uh, so the, I joke that, you know, one piece a day actually happens. Uh, so we work from 9 to 9, 9 in the morning to 9 p.m. on, on DK Studio uh, work. And from 9, uh, 9 p.m. to uh, 6 a.m., that's when we do um, the one piece a day work plus weekend. So, uh, no, so we are... Um, um, we, you know, one of one, one of the most important things right now is to be able to work with, uh, you know, different companies and governments to secure some funding and grants so we can actually get uh, some uh, people full time that can help us to build the organization and build the company. Everything so far to date has been, um, you know, sort of self-sponsored and funded. Uh, we, we have, uh, obviously, when we do some of the talks, uh, we, there are some nominal stipends for the schools that can afford it, but that's not really uh, enough to cover all the costs. So we are looking at, uh, uh, you know, some partnerships with governments and, uh, and uh, you know, corporations who share our vision uh, in, in terms of helping us to, 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 to really fund more of a full-time uh, operation and really be able to achieve some of our longer-term goals. So, Dimitri, I want you to explore the involvement of youth and not just post-secondary, but secondary and how they can get involved and what they should be doing. A second group that I want you to talk about is how do we get communities of faith to get involved in supporting this activity? Well, I, 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 love, these, I love these questions, um, Peter. Uh, we like, as I mentioned earlier, through our work with the TDSB and, and which is also extended to Catholic schools, to, to private schools, to colleges, universities, we've literally reached thousands of children and students and young people with our, with our message that small actions by many people can change the world. And, you know, um, after speaking to so many children, what, what we've realized is that all children are environmentalists at heart. Like you can really... You know, we, we've spoken at, uh, at gyms and auditoriums of schools of like five, six, seven hundred people, and 
the questions you get from these young, young, young students and are incredible, are incredible. They're asking similar questions to what you're asking me. You know, one, one uh, grade seven, or sorry, it was a grade uh, four student asked me, what is our five year plan or vision for one piece a day? Another, uh, you know, little boy stood up and asked, well, you know, I pick up litter every week and, uh, you know, I keep track of it in my head. So I don't really need an app to, to kind of keep track of it. So, you know, just the, just the engagement we get is, is incredible and it's heartwarming and, and it really makes everything that we do um, so worthwhile, Peter. Uh, so our, you know, the, the work that we do with, with students and children is, uh, is extremely fulfilling and it's also um, taught us that children are all environmentalists at heart. Now, when you get to the secondary school level, something happens, right? And then university level, something also happens. But what we find is getting into the secondary school and, and higher levels, uh, two things happen. Uh, you know, there, there is, especially in today's climate, where you have huge things like climate change, you know, huge existential crises like this facing, facing us and facing the young people who are kind of looking into this, into their future with, with, uh, with so much uncertainty uh, and uh, not necessarily a lot of confidence from, from, from many global leaders. Uh, you know, we saw what happened in the United States uh, with the last leadership of banning most of the environmental initiatives and, and uh, projects across America in the last four years. And, you know, you have students, young people looking at this uh, and, and, and kind of going into almost a state of overwhelm and despair. So, uh, and, then, and, then, and then sometimes that also leads to a state of anui or uh, even, even skepticism or cynicism in, in worst cases. So our work uh, with, with older students uh, is it has a little bit of a different focus because we are reaching out, uh, you know, more um, on a level where we're trying to, uh, you know, really get over this sense of overwhelm and cynicism and say, look, you know, there are young people who have made a significant impact in, in the wars that we're fighting, the battles we're fighting. And these people are people that we all know. Greta Thunberg at 15 mobilized millions of students around the world to stop going to school on Fridays uh, because, of her, because of her concern and her vision and tenacity and determination. And, you know, she was, uh, she was nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize, I think, at 15 or 16. And there's, uh, there's students, um, there's a couple of uh, uh, sisters in, in Bali, Indonesia, uh, who at 13 years old, they, they saw what was happening to their, to their beautiful island, paradisical island in Indonesia. Uh, there used to be a paradise on earth that was just like flooded with millions and millions of pieces of plastic. The world's plastic was just descending on places like Hawaii, on places like, like Bali, Indonesia. And, and at 13 years old, her and her sister and a few friends, they, they, they mobilized enough community support they went to the government and they, they influenced a, a government ban on plastic bags. So, so our job with the older students who might be a little bit jaded or overwhelmed or a bit more cynical is to really kind of look at examples of young people around the world who have really made a difference, who have really made an impact and just remind everyone, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's sort of easy to stand on the sidelines, but, but we're, we're, we're out of time you know, we, we're all responsible for what's happened to the, to, to, to the planet in terms of climate change and litter. And uh, you might say, well, it doesn't really affect me. And, and the truth is, you know, with 
with a garbage truck of plastic entering erosions every single, every single minute uh, to the tune of about uh, 10 to 20, 24 million tons of plastic entering erosions every single year with, with a million water bottles sold every minute around the world and less than 91% of that being recycled. You know, we are, all of us, contributing to this problem of, of the devastation of the planet through litter and plastic pollution. So the first thing is to turn off the tap through education, awareness. So number one is awareness and education. So yes, your, your question about working with students and, and young people in schools and institutions, absolutely critical. Because what our message is, yes, you can make a change, but the underlining is we're all making a difference either to the negative, to the detriment of the planet, or to the positive in terms of helping. Um, in, ter in terms of uh, institutions, organizations of, of, of faith, uh, we have spoken at, uh, uh, you know, a couple of uh, uh, Catholic schools. Uh, absolutely, I mean, our values of a clean planet, of a healthy planet, are uh, are aligned with with all the big faiths. I don't see uh, any any um, uh, you know misalignment there in terms of really doing your part to serve you know your community, your city, uh, you know the planet by you know picking up a few pieces of litter. So yes, we're 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 very open. Uh, to working with with all groups and all um, uh, you know institutions, so uh, whether Dim they're secular. Dimitri, or do you have a, a guide that teachers could download from the site, or a community of faith could download from the site, or an organization? Okay. Yes, we and, do. And we have uh, we have um, uh, we have a media kit and a press kit, and uh, we are developing. Um, uh, a, a basically a quick guide to the app, how to use the app, whether you're a school or institution or an individual. So we are developing a little press kit for uh, how to use the app to help uh, individuals and, and uh, organizations. Okay, what is the website address, please? The website is onepieceaday.ca. So uh, O-N-E-P-I-E-C-E, -E -E, a day at uh, onepieceaday.ca, sorry, yes. Okay, so... Thank you for your time. Here's an architect working part-time to support his passion. And it's a great story. And thank you very much for your time this morning. Thank you so much, Peter.